the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, U.S. weekly jobless claims totaled 284,000 versus expectations 274,000. That's a slight disappointment, but it's still a number that really supports a healthy labor market. That's good news. Taking a look at Wall Street, will good news translate into good stock market? do, 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 do. Um, it hasn't so far this year. The same stories that brought the market down or kind of had a sideways market last year brought the market down, and people just don't like the risk. Um, so we opened lower. We're a little bit higher. I don't care on a day-by-day basis. Um, GoPro. Their stock is looking to be grounded for a while until drones take flight. Company shares fell as much as 23% to $11 yesterday, a huge drop from the high of $98. But the wearable camera maker, you know, the next trick up their sleeve is going to be drones. So you're going to have to wait for it. And we all know oil's going to be higher sometime down the road, but you have to wait for it. That's what makes investing kind of, eh, you're killing me. You're killing me, GoPro. Um... That's one of the big stories on the market today. Another big story is Best Buy sales were weaker than a little expected. So we're starting to get some Christmas sales stories coming out. Now, Best Buy won't necessarily trade lower on that news um, because expectations for retailers are pretty weak overall. But they are trading down 8% today on that news. Um, GoPro and Best Buy fall to new lows. WebMD hits a new high. That's one of the stories out there. WebMD... That's kind of an interesting one. Um, the Financial Times is reporting that health information website is looking to sell all or part of its business. The company is in talks with Walgreens and United Health. 
Um, J.P. Morgan Chase posted a beat on both its top and bottom lines for the fourth quarter. Profit jumped about 10% from a year earlier as it kept expenses under control. Uh, Intel is going to report fourth quarter earnings tonight after the close of trading. A lot of analysts see the stock going to about $40 as they're expanding into higher margin chips used in data centers as demand for chips used in PCs continue to shrink. Alan Rickman is dead. Um, cancer got him just like it got David Bowie. Two 69-year-old Brits. What's interesting to note about that is, again, it feels a little bit young. It feels a little bit early. Uh, he was Hans Gruber. He was he was the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which was probably one of the worst Robin Hoods of all time, having Kevin Costner doing an English accent. Let's go to Gil. How are you, Gil? You're my one caller. Going, Rob. Yeah, that Hans Gruber guy. He was he was kind of a fierce dude, man, with that Bruce Willis stuff. Yeah, I, some great lines like "I give you the F." It was really scary. But listen, you were talking about this PewDiePie. And as a matter of fact, in today's Los Angeles Times, there's an article about it, Digital Network. What I'm going to ask is, what's the play? I mean, I, I want to I want to cut my cable, but for all these uh, online streaming services, I need Internet. I need Internet. Okay, let's just say sure. I just have Internet in my house. What's the play? Is it Verizon? Is it AT&T? I, I really don't know. What, what's your thought? I don't think there's necessarily a direct play because it's been happening for so long, but thanks for the call. Um, Comcast not going to go out of business anytime soon, but they're going to have to respond. Uh, Verizon and AT&T not going to go out of business anytime soon. They give us data for sure, uh, but we're getting more data for less. And I've actually seen my, my phone bill shrink a little bit. I've actually seen my cable bill shrink a little bit for the first time probably ever, um, definitively ever. As far as the PewDiePie's, you know, I, I think you'd probably look at Disney as owner of Maker Studios as a winner in that. Um, as far as losers go, you know, uh, cable companies, uh, you, when the other story that I did last hour uh, was tied towards Al Jazeera cutting 700 people. Um, you know, another you know, angle is that once again, we can create content for a lot cheaper than we did 10, 20, 30 years ago where the, the studios used to have a lot of power. Now a kid with a camera. A kid with a cell phone can make a show that, that teenagers are willing to watch. It's uh, social media. I think Facebook's, you know, a winner here. I think YouTube's, uh, Google's YouTube is a winner here. Um, I think Instagram, Facebook's Instagram. They, all of these are like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, tied towards Google. Some of them have direct plays towards publicly traded companies. Uh, down the road, I think you're going to see more, you know, going this way. Gil, you're an older man. I'm an older man. The fact that you and I like watching shows like Justified on FX, we are going the way of the dodo bird. Um, AOL, Time Warner, um, AOL bought Time Warner many, many years ago, way ahead of its time. And then it turned out that they had to spin AOL off of Time Warner because they bought them with a share price of AOLs and not necessarily with cash. And Time Warner shareholders freaked out about it in the long run. It didn't work out. But you're seeing stories today like Amazon and Apple with all their cash looking at buying companies like Time Warner. So I, I think the play is, again, that we're going towards cheaper business models and streaming is not going to go away. Um, and it's going to continue to hurt the big boys out there because it's not about you and me. They don't want us. They don't care about us anymore. The fact that, you know, The Walking Dead is a, a hit in 10 years from now, um, 
the hits will be all you know starting from streaming shows and Amazon and Netflix probably scare the the, the bejesus out of uh, media companies at this point in time. I saw one media company yesterday report how many people are actually watching shows, and I I found that entertaining. <clears throat> Excuse me, I it's that time of the season where. Uh, my voice is starting to get just a little bit of fry to it, like every single day. Um, so there's a, a you know media company yesterday reported how many people are actually watching these you know online shows that Netflix and Amazon are producing. Traditional television has used ratings since the 1950s to try to figure out you know rates for advertising. Uh, we get statistics out there like prime time at night. You know uh, most of the internet is being sucked up by Netflix. Uh, so we don't really get a great number out of it, um, but also, you know, because people are paying a monthly fee for these on-demand channels, it's a little bit different than what, you know, uh, Nielsen and the traditional media companies would extrapolate the data with. Born during the radio era and established itself in the TV era, Nielsen's has been the gold standard for trying to figure out, um, you know, the trend. And I actually saw a media company yesterday come out and say, yeah, we figured out how many people are watching Netflix, and we deliver the TV the way God intended. Netflix and YouTube aren't threats, and that NBC executive should be fired. Um, but he's trying to say, you know, the, the exaggeration of the death of TV has been greatly exaggerated. And to some extent, that's true, because companies like CBS, they can... They can now use their CBS app. They can now use their CBS website. They can now use their Nielsen ratings from CBS television and say, we, we got more eyeballs than we did 10 years ago. Um, there's, you know, over three or four platforms at this point in time. Um, that NBC executive said Orange is the New Black uh, claimed that it drew 23% of all viewers in the first week, but it dropped to 3% in its fifth week. So now you're starting to see media companies go out of their way to, traditional media companies to go out of their way to say, you know, YouTube, not a threat, but I think YouTube, Netflix, Amazon, they are threats. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black. Got a big event coming up at the end of January. Ten Pillars of Income in Retirement Planning. Um, it's a good event. It's something I, I enjoy doing. CFP Chad Burton joins me for the event. It's in a great location um, in Palo Alto. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. The Elks Lodge has great parking, easy to get to, and uh, good seating, too. I like the, the overall 10 pillars of retirement income planning seminar. Sign up for it at newfocusfinancial.com. CFP Chad Burton joins me now. Chad, any comments regarding the recent market sell-offs 
and morning bounces that lead to afternoon declines? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we talked with people quite a bit about uh, potentially retesting last August and September's lows, which we did um, yesterday and today at one point. It was, you know, actually lower than the both the September and the August close. And I, I kind of just have the idea that because there's a lot of uncertainties with direction of the dollar, with oil prices, um, with emerging markets, that, you know, we're kind of going to be in this trading range when the S&P trades between kind of like 14 and 17 to maybe 18 on uh, the forward-looking P-E ratio um, because that's what low interest rates warrant, a higher than normal P-E ratio. If the 10-year average is around 14, we can get up to the 17-18 range on P-E ratios. And um, I think a little bit more active rebalancing. What I'm looking at these is, is to find out where the bargains are. Um, it's interesting today that Wells Fargo is actually performing better than J.P. Morgan. Wells Fargo's report is not going to come out until tomorrow, and we've seen financials fall, you know, on average probably around um, closer to about seven and a half, eight percent versus seven percent on this correction for the S&P 500, which isn't really actually a full correction since January, but um, from the you know highs less than six months ago, it's you know, easily a ten percent. Um, and then looking at bargains, I've seen uh, small caps fall much harder again. Uh, they still are a bit expensive historical averages, but there could be some opportunities coming up around the corner there. Um, but I think we're getting some support today. The, the bounce once we hit that low again today was um, was pretty aggressive to the upside. So um, I think it's going to shake some people out. Now, I think what people need to understand is that if there is some sort of another external event, um, you could easily have another 10% correction from here. I'm not saying that there's going to be. and It would surprise me just as much as 10% move right up would surprise me. But it's still not typically a reason to panic and sell out and go to cash, um, miss out on all, you know, several months or quarters of dividends, and then probably screw up on your reentry point, which is what most people do when they go 100% to cash. So it's silly. I mean, we're not really seeing a recession outside of the oil industry. Um, most people are, you know, have jobs, unemployment rate minus participation rates doing well. So I don't, you know, I don't, people talk about the high yield market. It's not really falling apart yet. So um, I'm, I'm not super pessimistic, Rob. With that said, I'll add a little bit of color. Um, stocks typically trade in, trading ranges on PE. Sometimes it could be 20. Sometimes it could be as low as 10. When they're at 20, they're on the high end. When they're at 10, they're on the low end historically. Different sectors get different valuations. And as an investor, if you can get Intel at 12 times earnings versus 20 times, it's historically cheaper. And that's not a bad thing. So let valuations come down. If you take out Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, we've basically been in a down market for 14 months, even though people feel like it's only been four days of the new year. It's people aren't seeing the, the, the right perspective here. But anyway, I digress and I'm taking up your valuable airtime. Um <laughs> what about bonds? High yield bonds, are you are you thinking about jumping in there? Well I am gonna look for and wait for opportunities. I think we have to um let oil prices bottom a little bit and let some of the earnings reports from some of the um banks come out a quarter or two because we've seen a lot of high yield bond funds which we didn't own drop about um you know at least 10% in value. And I had been warning people for the last year about strategic income funds, which were high-yield bond funds that were also holding 
stocks inside of them. Um, and a lot of those had fallen about, you know, some of them up as much as 30%. And we're getting to the point where it's a little bit overdone um, because a lot of people said, okay, high-yield bonds, those are junk bonds. There's basically every oil company that was created in the last five years was in that market. That's how they were borrowing money in order to expand greatly, and now they're falling apart. Um, and we haven't even seen default rates go up to the longer-term averages of default rates. So it's not as – I don't think it's as bad as people think or the market thinks um, unless – you know. You, but you still have to go through a couple of quarters of oil at you know, somewhere between 20 and 35 bucks a barrel to see how it really affects some of the financial institutions and how over-leveraged they went into that area. But I think banks are a lot smarter now, Rob. Um, and none of these companies were like – it wasn't like the mortgage market, right, where we could – you could claim your income. If you could fog a mirror, you could get a loan. That's not how the high-yield market works. But people have to realize that they own high-yield in their 401K or strategic income. It's junk bonds. That's what they are and know what they are. So kind of analyze your 401K and know what you have. Sounds good. Taking a, a look at the markets right now in the bond markets, and uh, would you say a, an idea might be better to go like after an AT&T with a 5% yield, or, or do, do you still like the IOU, the indebtedness of a, of a bond versus a stock? Um, you know, I own some AT&T. I, I will say we're looking at some accounting rule changes that they've made, and they've actually held up really well in this correction, of course, because of their yield. So let me put you on <laughs> let me put you on standby, and that's on a watch list because – um, one of our analysts is looking into that right now. Um, but I am definitely looking for more on the value play on the opportunity side, the stuff that might have fallen already and is at the lower end of the P-E ratio, because I think we're going to be in this trading range for a while, okay. but like a good solid dividend. Um, you know, more than 4% usually scares me, but AT&T obviously is a telecom. So that's, you know, telecom and utilities tend to pay a bit more anyway, but they're going to give you less growth in the long run. Real quick, let's talk about real quick. Let's talk about a tragedy that you mentioned the other day on your show about life insurance. What do we need to know? Well, you know, we found out of a loss of a of a friend from high school, right? And this guy I haven't seen for you know probably twenty five years. One minute. um, But it was a guy that I met my wife at a party that he had for the first time when I was eighteen years old. That's the first time we actually met. We didn't date until you know way after that, but. I had a, a pretty tragic Jesse. He was a concrete worker, and it's a horrific work accident. It was really, really sad to find a wife and a kid. And there's, of course, a, you know, a GoFundMe type account to, you know, to help the family out. And it's, 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 you know, you got if you're a parent, you have to have the life insurance. Ten times your income, add a hundred thousand dollars per kid, um, and add enough in to pay out debt so that your family's taken care of, and also look at disability insurance. And you know. In the Bay Area, it's a million bucks, cost up. maybe seven hundred bucks a year, and that's it. So, protect your family. It's not. It's not that difficult. Sounds good. You can meet CFP Chad Burton with two shows Mondays and Tuesdays here at what, two o'clock. But you can meet him at the Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Seminar in Palo Alto. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, the tech editor from thestreet.com. It's been a long time in the new year without Chris Siaccia. Chris, how are you? Good, Rob. Happy New Year. How you doing? Doing well. Now, one of the reasons you haven't been on was you were recently in CES. Before we get to today's stories, give me a small recap on CES. What did you see? What did you like? Sure. So CES, for you know people who aren't familiar with it, it's held in Las Vegas, and around 170,000 people come into it for companies to show off their latest products or services. Um, there's a bunch of keynotes. Probably the biggest thing that I took out of CES um, was the announcement that Netflix is going to be almost in every country except for China. Uh, they announced 130 additional countries. That was probably the biggest news. Uh, as far as products are concerned, there wasn't too much that really like, you know, got me excited. It seemed to be you know, incremental stuff from last year. I got a chance to, to play with some virtual reality headsets. That's always pretty cool, but, you know, it kind of seems like, you know, we're in a, a little bit of a plateau right now for, for technology. Virtual reality is said to have maybe a billion dollars in sales this year. Uh, from playing with it, I have not. From your playing with it, uh, what's your, you think we can do a billion dollars? Do you think there's enough curiosity? Is there enough technology there yet? Yeah, I think there's there's probably enough to do, you know, close to a billion, um, especially when you factor in things like um, Google Cardboard, which only costs 20 bucks. That's not, you know, true virtual reality, um, but it helps, you know, you know, bring that experience to people for, you know, almost next to nothing. And then, you know, over the holidays, the Samsung Gear VR was a big seller. That was only 100 bucks. Um, and then the demand for Facebook's Oculus Rift, which is priced at 600 was astronomical. Um, you know, there's some complaints about, you know, how the launch has gone or, or, you know, how it was handled. But, you know, even for $600, which isn't, you know, an astronomical amount of money, um, when you consider that, you know, back in the day, computers used to cost $2,000 and up, you know, just on their own. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, a billion dollars is, is pretty achievable in 2016. I'm with you. Now, on to today's stories. Chris Siachi is the tech editor at TheStreet.com. TheStreet.com, great site for a lot of uh, curious readers who want to know a little bit more about tech and investing. What a combination. Um, you, you put together a piece on Apple's $200 billion cash, and Apple stock is it, it's, it's bearish. It's down 20-plus percent from its 52-week highs, and uh, people are starting to – all the analysts seem to be cutting expectations. What are you seeing with Apple's $200 billion cash? So just, you know, touching a little bit on on the expectations, I'm sort of uh, bullish on, you know, the upcoming quarter. I think that, you know, Wall Street may have it wrong. Everyone's seeing, you know, that, oh, Apple's cutting, you know, uh, or or the supply chain is cutting estimates. But I think that's underestimating just how strong the 5S and 6 will be. Um, And I think that ties it back into when we see how, you know, Apple did this quarter, you know, in the next couple of weeks. You know, we'll see, you know, an additional, uh, you know, probably 5 or $10 billion or maybe even a little bit more added to the cash pile. And with $200 billion in cash, you know, even though you have to net out the debt that Apple's been accruing, that's still, you know, an, you know $140 billion in cash that Apple has on its balance sheet um, that it's really not putting to work, at least until you dig a little bit closer. You know, Apple's probably going to, you know, uh, 
get into the car business. It's all signs point to that. And building a car is, is not the cheapest thing in the world. I mean, if you look at you know what Ford spends, what GM spends, and what Tesla's you know been spending over the past decade or so, this is not a cheap thing to do. So having that huge buffer, um, even though it's being discounted right now by the market, is probably one of the reasons or maybe even the reason why Apple is confident that it can really disrupt the auto market. Yeah, people forget that car companies are manufacturers, and manufacturers aren't considered sexy in the United States compared to services. Um, but why not, with Apple, with the $200 billion, clearly they're not going to buy Tesla. Well, that's not the thought. Is there some company they can go out and try to acquire to kind of jumpstart the, the car business? Well, what they've been doing is they've been hiring left and right experts from, you know, various uh, auto companies, including Tesla, you know, uh, Mercedes, even though, you know, a high-profile Mercedes exec left Apple to go elsewhere. There are, you know, probably smaller companies. I don't think they're going to go out and buy Tesla. I mean, even though it's, you know, that would be a really buzzy thing for them to do, and it would give them Elon Musk, which, you know, seems to be like Silicon Valley's, like, dream. Um you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to go out and acquire, you know, a big auto manufacturer, but maybe they'll go out and acquire parts manufacturers or people or, you know, who have uh, expertise in battery construction and, uh, and lithium-ion batteries, um, you know, to help further advance, you know, the movement there. So I think that's probably where you're going to see Apple spend its cash. I don't see them making, you know, this big acquisition um, to really help there. It's probably going to be small things, and we may never even know about it because a lot of what Apple, um, a lot of companies that Apple acquires do not get reported, you know, for months or, you know, months and months until after the fact. Now, I'm speaking with Chris Siaccia, tech editor for TheStreet.com. Second big topic for you today it's an interesting one because it also ties back into potential Apple and their cash. But you recently did a story about Amazon buying Time Warner. This story kind of hit yesterday. Big rumors, big thoughts, big question marks. Would it make sense? Is HBO really up for sale? Um, what did you find in your investigation for this article? So the New York Post has done, uh, you know, some reporting that, you know, Time Warner seems to be up for sale. So I've spoken to a whole bunch of sources, you know, um, that are familiar with the company's thinking, and uh, it doesn't seem like Time Warner is going to spin off HBO anytime soon. Uh, Jeff Bukes has, you know, sort of publicly said that, um, and you know, uh, and you know, what I've gathered from my sources is that seems to be, you know, the the continued line of thinking. So, with that in mind, you know, it probably makes sense for these tech companies, you know, given they're probably not going to be able to spend. Um, you know, 70 or $80 billion to acquire Time Warner as a whole, it probably makes sense for some of them, you know, maybe like an Amazon or an Apple or an Alphabet, to go out and take a strategic stake in, in Time Warner because people don't realize just how powerful a business HBO really is. When you, when you look at the numbers, they have a, over 120 million subscribers around the world who are paying 15, you know, roughly $15 a month. For some of, if not the best content out there, I mean, shows like Game of Thrones are monsters, Veep, Silicon Valley, and then you have this huge library, you know, shows of like The Wire and The Sopranos, which really, you know, helps revolutionize the golden age of television that we're in. So when you go out, you can get, you know, that kind of um, 
a stake in that business and keep it away from you know your competitors as well as everything else that Time Warner has to 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 offer. It makes more sense for these companies to do that or you know some kind of a joint venture than you know actually talking down eighty between eighty and a hundred dollars a share for Time Warner. So why not Apple going or why would Apple and and or Amazon Making that relationship, it seems like it would give them almost a, a Netflix type feel of excitement of you know what people are using their devices to watch TV with or watch media with these days. Um, does does this happen? Do you think? Because it seems like inevitable for Apple or Amazon to do a big deal like this. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's um, you know signs that are pointing to it. I don't see you know either company going out and fully outright acquiring Time Warner. Um, simply because I know both company cultures, especially Apple, um, you know, sources that are familiar with the company's thinking, they've said, you know, time and time again to me that Apple's not going to do a major acquisition like this because of the way Apple's culture is so much different than everyone else's. But considering how much cash they do have on the balance sheet, going out and having a deal with Time Warner for HBO, even though they already have access to HBO, um, you know, through the App Store and, and, you know, on Apple TV and things like that, um, you know, they can further strengthen that relationship and keep them away from, you know, their competitors. And given how many people watch HBO shows and documentaries and they're constantly adding things like Bill Simmons or they just added Sesame, they're about to add Sesame Street, you know, there are so many things that these tech companies can do to, uh, to try to keep out their competitors. And HBO seems like, you know, and Time Warner seems like a, a perfect opportunity for them. Did you see how HBO is changing Sesame Street? They're cleaning it up a bit. Oscar the Grouch is going to be in a recycling can instead of a garbage can now. That's 2016 for you. <laughs> That's 2016. Any last things you want to tip in? we got about a minute, minute and a half. I think we just got, you know, the market's been, you know, obviously hit a lot, you know, since the start of the year. You know, I think, you know, with Intel reporting tonight and with, we're really starting to get into the heart of earnings season, especially tech, you know, I think, you know, there's probably a, an opportunity for, for tech investors to see a little bit of a relief in their portfolios because I don't think things are that bad, or at least right now, that, you know, the market is, is forecasting. So we'll see what Intel has to say tonight, but, you know, I think there, there might be a little bit of a bounce here. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccio. You can find him, the tech editor at thestreet.com. I've missed his presence on the show um, in the last couple of weeks with Christmas, New Year's, and then CES. Gives a good insight. And, um, you know, the stories of the year last year were the stories that, you know, Chris and I talked about in the stock market. But we talked about, you know, the social ramifications of them and how they play out in our lives. But companies like Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, um, Google's Alphabet, you've heard those names in that story. They're called the FANG stocks, but they're also you know, consuming much of our interest in technology at this point in time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black, Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money investing and more. I live in the Bay Area, and the Bay Area has some of the highest gasoline prices in the nation. Why? There's a lot of reasons. One of them would be special formulas for the state. California has tough environmental rules, and part of that is they've got a winter formula and a summer formula for gasoline blend. If you want cheaper gas, you have to make it's it's a formula. It's 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 a recipe. And when you change it twice a year, the refiners get that option now. It's like, okay, I'm going to shut down and clean up, and I'm going to you know, uh, take my time, and we're going to get rid of this inventory. So they have an excuse to make more money. We have disappearing refineries in the state of California. Um, the number of refineries in California has plunged. From 1982, we had 30 gasoline-producing refineries. Today, we've got 11. So it's a supply and demand issue, as well as a competition issue, because Chevron and Tesoro... They control about 50% of the state's refining capacity. We don't have a lot of independent retailers. That's one of the problems. Um, there's a gas station called Rotten Robbie's. That I snicker when I see the name, but you're not going to see a commercial on television for Rotten Robbie's, and if you do, I, I'm surprised. Uh, but you'll see Exxon and the Tiger, and put the Tiger in, the, in your, your pump, and uh, this clean gasoline's better than the, the Rotten Robbie, or better than the no-name gasoline. We, we call it... Clean gasoline. And what's happening there is the big names, the Exxons and the Big Six Six, um, they, they control service stations. Less than 15% of service stations, gas stations, are independent. And not being affiliated with a big name hurts. Uh, there's just not a lot of competition. As a result, the no-name stations have to buy their fuel from the big companies anyway, Tesoro and Chevron. There's no interstate pipelines. Now, I know we want a pipeline, and some people have jokingly said, uh, let's, let's build a pipeline from Oregon down to California so we can get their water. But then even if you were to get a pipeline for water, uh, people in the state of California would, would protest it. They'd be like, oh, no, the Northern California cricket might be put out of uh, existence. Okay. You get your Northern California crickets, but you also get higher gasoline prices in large part because we have no pipelines. So no pipelines means that gasoline has to be brought to us in trucks or ships, and that's more expensive than pipelines. And it means oil has to be brought to us in trucks or ships. High taxes. California drivers pay a hefty toll at the pump in federal, state, and local taxes and fees. Um, 60 cents goes to the state, um, but there's also a sales tax. So as the price of gas goes lower, your sales tax at 10% is lower. As it goes higher, your sales tax is higher. So it's tough to say exactly what our taxes are on each gallon that we use because it's based on how much you put in. Um, and the cost is tied towards a gallon. So even when the gallon goes cheaper, the tax doesn't go cheaper with it. Um, there's also an 18.4 cent Federal tax gas, uh, federal gas tax that I, th- I think they were talking about raising it a year or two ago to help fund, you know, the, our transportation needs. It's an old tax. It needs to be updated. 
long story short, um, high taxes combined with no interstate pipelines, combined with the independent retailers, lack of competition, defined, uh, combined with you know, there's not a lot of refineries out there, and then you get the special fuel formulas. If our government, if our president were to say everyone in the, in the nation is going to follow California and we're going to use two blends, or if our, our federal government were to say every state is going to use this blend, it's not going to happen, but that would be one way of alleviating the cost. I know it's not exactly fun radio, but a lot of people don't really grasp what we're doing here and or not at times. Um, yesterday, today, yesterday, uh, Uber said that they've announced an initiative that could help clear the path for convicted felons whose crimes are reduced to misdemeanors to drive for the ride-hailing platform. That's good. I think everyone should be entitled to work, even ex-convicts. Um, it's potential publicity headache for a company that's faced accusations of lax driver screening and report unsafe uh, to inappropriate driver behavior. But they're trying to scale to a bigger, you know, uh, company with higher demand, and they need more people behind the wheel. So I don't know how you feel about ex-cons who've had their felonies, uh, who've had their crimes you know, reduced, if you think that's a good idea or a bad idea, to a misdemeanor. I seem to be for it instantaneously. Uh, just I think everyone deserves a chance to work. And it stinks that, you know, something you did in your past comes back to haunt you. So will the market advance its for, you know, a two-day advance to a three-day advance? Um, early strength, you know, will there be a pullback in equities? No one really knows. And you have to be careful because if you hear people selling you greed or fear, I'd run the other way. Uh, there's a good statistic the market goes up 7 out of 10 years and hits highs six and a half times out of 10 years, uh, six and a half years out of 10. So on a regular basis, the market's hitting highs. Even when you factor in World War I, World War II, the Great Recession, oil at 150, oil at 10, uh, inflation, deflation, uh, depressions, uh, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, even when you factor in all those wars, the market hits highs six and a half times out of 10 years. Now, I know you want it instantaneously, but it doesn't always happen that way. I was just walking down the hallway, and one of my coworkers was like, what's up with your market? I'm like, discount, my friend, discount. Uh, do a little shopping. Don't get emotional. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I've got a big event coming up on the 28th in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great, easy location, a lot of information. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income Planning, Wine, Cheese. It's like having a beer or a glass of wine with me and talking Ten Pillars of Retirement and Income Planning. You can sign up for the event on the 28th, Thursday evening at robblackshow.com or robblack.com or newfocusfinancial.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.